Monday, 6.56 p.m. I'm so happy to be here with you getting started. Now, I hope you all had a great weekend, especially all you fathers and mentors out there, fellas. Any of you fellas out there that are being a much-needed father to anyone, I hope you had a great Father's Day. And I, um, I don't know, I'm going to, I have some weekend thoughts. I have a lot of different, different, uh, links and stuff that we can go through. There's certainly some news, but I'm, I'm truly, um, like the news is burning me out. It has been for a while. That's why we've been mixing it up so much and just doing some fun things. And I kind of want to keep that in, in there and save a little bit more of the news for the grab bag and, May take some random calls on things later on, if that's the case. But uh, tonight we have a little bit more, just to start the week off and clean up from what went on over the weekend. I saw Top Gun. we got to talk about it. The, uh, the short of it, awesome. Awesome. And I would really like to go see it again before it leaves theaters. If I can see it in an IMAX, I would, I would really... If that was my... F- I haven't had that much fun at a, th- at a, at a movie in... I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And that includes, well, I mean, the, the Star Wars sequels, they were not, they weren't really fun. I, I enjoyed Rogue One, um, but, you know, I had, I had some hopes after Episode 7, but that's it. So, definitely not Star Wars. Maybe going back to high school when we were, you know, skipping, skipping school some days to go see the, the Star Wars prequels or some of the Spider-Man movies or whatever the hell else was going on. I guess those were fun, but not like this. I think all I think it's it amplified because of how starved, how starved movie-going audiences who are you know, patriotic and not uh, not really down with all of the the pushing of the message, the message over and over again. 
So I think that it was just something we were, I was starving for, at least, in a movie. I'm glad we rolled the dice and it worked out nicely. Then again, there's quite a few people I trust that said, Frank, got to go see it. I said, all right. And Lauren stayed awake. That's the big telling. But we'll, do, we'll go into detail in a little bit later on. It's just part of what's going on in the weekend. What happened over the holiday weekend. Um, June 20th today. Tomorrow is the solstice. And we're going to have Jay Dyer on. So we'll be able to talk about some stuff that I think uh, we should be able to do some really good stuff. I want to talk to him about... Um, more specifically, I want to talk to him about Stranger Things... Montauk Project, Philadelphia Experiment, things like that, and get into some of the uh, the occult messaging. And I know he's been doing it, and I've been wanting to talk about it with someone, so I think that this might just be perfect. So Jay Dyer is on tomorrow night. Bill Ottman, founder of Minds.com, is going to be in studio on June 22nd. That's Wednesday night. We're going to be talking about the Minds Festival of Ideas that's going to be going on at the Beacon Theater in New York over the weekend. I will be going to like the the early part of it, like the meet and greet, just to hang out for a little while, but I'm not going to be there for the for the 7 to 11 actual festival because I have a 10 o'clock broadcast with you all on Saturday night. It's a Saturday night show, the 25th. We've got Mr. Bill Barnes coming on to talk about his experience on the Titanic. So it's going to be a little bit of a reincarnation show. I love doing stuff like that on a Saturday. But we have other people coming on this week. Jeff Harmon, the astrologer, will be on with uh, me on Thursday. I think Rob should be there. I haven't heard anything otherwise yet. Susan Olson will be back on with us. Cindy Brady on Friday the 24th. Now next week is pretty big, and it got bigger over the weekend. I'll tell you why right now. Monday, June 27th, Rich Barris is in for his his checkup. June 28th, the Tuesday, next Tuesday, I will not be on air because here because I will be on air at Timcast. So, Tim Pool actually invited me on his show. And I will be driving down to his fortress on Tuesday morning. And I will be on with him and whoever else is there for the 8 o'clock show, 8 to 10, Tuesday night, the 28th. So that'll, that should be a, a pretty pretty big event, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it does well for us. Then I will be back in studio on June 29th. That's next Wednesday with Chrissy Mayer in studio. So that'll be great. And then more, more coming on. We got Jay Gulanello, Dr. Sean Morton, but yes, going to uh, going to really play that. This it'll be it's it's a big month. It turned out to be a bigger month than uh, than I thought. That and then July gets even bigger. So, um, we will see. So, all right, all right. Yeah, I've been thinking about that one for Tuesday. I, I I'm figuring out ways. So, you know what? I'm just going to drive down. So I was just going to drive down. Five and a half hour drive, wherever the hell it is. And that should be fun. And I, I mean, they, they've gotten swatted like five times now. So I'm pretty sure that their, their security is, is, should be tight enough for me to come home alive. So I'll be saying my prayers. That'll, that'll be, but it's going to be fun. 
and I just can't wait to uh, to introduce myself to a larger audience and have some fun. I'm I'm really uh, I'm genuinely surprised. I was okay. I was okay with whatever came our way, but this is this will be a nice shot to the arm. All right, where do we go from here? I want to thank my sponsor, SecretNatureCBD.com. I will definitely be taking a pack of Secret Nature with me on the road next week. Go to SecretNatureCBD.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for 20% off of anything you get there, including those wonderful pre-rolls. Get yourself a pack of sativas. So high in CBD, low in THC. Just had to put that out there because the first time I plugged them, I got banned for selling drugs. Yes, it is the cannabis. It is organic cannabis, but it is legally hemp. You do not get high. So SecretNatureCBD.com. Give your nervous system a nice vacation. All right. Let's go on with it, shall we? Shall we? We'll take some calls and hang out a little bit later. I'm really not I really, I'm really not too keen on doing anything too heavy tonight. So let's just jump into this and get some headlines out of the way. First one up is from The Sun. Headline Mark Zuckerberg has been designing clothes. Clothes for you to wear in the metaverse, including a formal gray suit. What a loser. This guy is such a loser. I don't care how many billions. I don't care. What a loser. I'm making you... I'm making you clothes to wear in the metaverse. This frog-like man. And what, what is it? Why, is that his... his avatar? Oh, weird. So he's making you close, and your your leg is striped, your arm is striped. This is weird. What is that strutting pose he's, he's, what is this? So that's what Mark Zuckerberg does now. He, he makes fake clothes, fake digital clothes for you. Whatever. On to the Daily Mail. Listen to this. Here's a headline. Male blood donor, 66 years old, has been turned away from a clinic after he refused to answer a question on whether he was pregnant as part of a pre-donation questionnaire. A male blood donor was turned away after refusing to say if he was pregnant. Over nearly 50 years, Leslie Sinclair has given a formal, a formidable 125 pints of blood. After complaining, he said staff told him they couldn't accept his blood donation. Yes. Yes, well, well, uh, when he started 50 years ago, staff were not, were not absolutely politically toxic and, and ideologically compromised losers. Scary, scary what's going on here. We can't take your blood until you tell us whether or not you are pregnant. Sir. On his last trip, he was turned away after refusing to answer a question on whether or not he was pregnant. You know why? Because it's a ridiculous question that only the clinically insane will be asking. But that's just it. So this should not be based. This should not be based behavior because it's just not necessary. It's in a sane society. It's just not necessary, but this is courageous these days to tell doctors and nurses at a blood bank that um, I'm I'm not I'm not even going to I'm not even going to entertain that ridiculous question. But now you know men can get pregnant according to modern medicine, so that's where we are. 
All right. Well, here's a headline from CNN. Uh, in France, Macron loses absolute majority after historic gains for French far right and left. Well, Putin called it. We were talking about that on Friday. He said the elites will be wiped out and new populist movements will will uh, will start rising because the insanity, the insanity is not going to be allowed, especially the far leftists. See, as always, you have these Nancy Pelosi types, these Chuck Schumer types, these Macron types, all these these people who are very big into living a lavish lavish rich life they're not ideological communists they understand that socialistic ideals and communism is great to feed people in little doses the problem is that once you feed people in little doses the um the uh the the dream for 40 or 50 years that you've been in in public service then eventually you start getting pushed out and you start getting washed out by people who either wanted to go away from all that or by the true believing socialist red diaper doper babies who are upset that they haven't got their utopia yet and they actually believe what was only just a grift for you. You know, because no matter how much games, no, no matter how long they play these games or how many games they play over the course of decades or a couple of generations, the one thing that does happen is the middle ground the middle class erodes. It just completely erodes. A new program here, 1% more taxes here, you destroy people. And now um, now that people are really up against the ropes, it's just a matter of those who want to pull the Band-Aid off completely and get rid of government, and then those who are just, um, who think that, that utopia is just this far away. Got to get there. So Macron's centrist alliance, whatever centrist means in Europe, came first on Sunday, uh, in Sunday's second round to legislative elections, securing 245 out of total 577, according to final results, more than any other political party. However, it still felt short, fell short of the 289-seat threshold for an absolute majority in the National Assembly, France's lower house. So I don't know if that means momentum that will... Do they trust their elections out there in France? Anyway, there is some new rules here. I want to do this. Oh, what's that? that? That was that. Oh, and speaking of new rules and Putin calling things one way or another and nationalism and populism, Ukraine, the opposition platform for life, they call it, the opposition platform, the, pretty much the opposition party out there, plus all their media that was banned by Zelensky, well, the opposition party, uh, they're known for being Eurosceptic and, I guess, a lot more sympathetic to Russia than the, the NATO-controlled aspect of their country is. But re- they received a um, the second most votes in Ukraine's 2019 parliamentary elections. And now... According to uh, some reports I read, the 8th Administrative Court of Appeal in Ukraine upheld Zelensky administration's decision to ban the second most popular political party in the country. No journalists were allowed in the court while this happened, of course. So there you go. Um, He's a regular Abraham Lincoln, that's Zelensky. And we continue to pump tens of billions of dollars into that region. What a What a mess total mess 
Here's one more. This is uh, from Russia. With love. Russia's new rules. This is on Zero Hedge. Russia is done with the West. The divorce is nearly complete. In the past few days, we've heard all major Russian leaders say the same thing. The West will play by our rules now. You can decide for yourselves whether Russia is writing checks they can't cash, but in the words of Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, telling the BBC bluntly, quote, we do not care about the eyes of the West, end quote. Lavrov has always been the soul of politeness and discretion when dealing with the European media. Uh, his, openly host- uh, his open hostility toward the BBC interviewer was not only palpable, it was hard to argue with. He followed that up with the following, I don't think there's even room for maneuver left anymore, Lavrov replied, because both Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Foreign Secretary Liz Truss say publicly, we must defeat Russia. We must bring Russia to its knees. Go on, then do it. Russia's leadership never talks in such openly blunt terms. It's almost like Lavrov has was channeling comedian Dennis Miller, who used to say, feeling froggy, take that leap. Where it gets you. See where it gets you. Russia shows or knows that the West is on the ropes. We need what they produce, and now they are determined to set the rules on who gets them and for what price. It knows that European leaders are puppets with Klaus Schwab's hands up their asses, and it knows Davos has zero leverage over Russian actions from here on out. Which brings me to the statement linked above by Gazprom CEO Alexei Miller, speaking at a panel at St. Petersburg Economic Investment Forum, who just put the situation in the starkest terms there is. Quote, The game of nominal value of money is over, as the system does not allow to control the supply of resources. Our product, our rules, we don't play by the rules we didn't create. You know, good for them. Good for them. Good for them. You know? Like, I, like I've said many times before, I have absolutely no personal vested interest in seeing Russia th- uh, thrive. That's Russians. That's the Russians' uh, deal. I would love for us to thrive over here. I'd love everybody to be concentrating on things like that. But you see, we are living under the yoke of people who are killing us. They're, they're, they're beating us into depression. The fact that they're announcing that recession is coming means recession's been here for years, which I, I, I think you all know that's perfectly obvious to see you know j- just because they had the printing presses going like crazy with quantitative infinity doesn't mean that the uh, the economy was humming along american ingenuity if you left it alone american ingenuity people's ambitions the need to be able to pay for your bills uh, that would always be a fine profitable situation if you just let it go but we're not we're completely repressed we're oppressed and it's not coming from the places that they tell you were being oppressed on MSNBC. So that's where we are. That's where we are. They're taking care of themselves, and uh, and we're being choked off by our captors still. So we'll see. We'll see who meets what judgment and how fast. One last thing, something that you will not see on many other places other than the Internet and some alternative sources here is from Gript.ie. Investigation launched. This is in Italy. But, of course, it just mirrors what's going on all over Europe. Investigation launched after 2,000 migrants descend on a popular Italian getaway area. Up to 2,000 predominantly migrant youths invaded a scenic Italian town close to, po- uh, to a popular tourist destination, Lake Garda. 
earlier this month. The Italian parliament has launched an investigation after the mob, which reportedly comprised largely of African migrants, went on to reign, uh, went on a reign of terror in uh, Pescheria as part of an event called Pescheria e Africa. Or Pescheria for Africa. That was reportedly grown in numbers over the several years. Nah, talk about suicide. Footage capturing the scenes. I've saw some of this footage. It's ridiculous. Footage capturing scenes from the riots show hordes of young men jumping on cars, uh, hanging off the side of trams, uh, and assaulting locals. Oh, sounds like a civil rights rally over here. A woman on a moped can be seen desperately trying to hang on to her handbag as it's pulled from her grip. Members of the cohort could reportedly be heard shouting, We came to reconquer Pesheria. Peshera, I should say. No I at the end. This is our territory. Africa must come here. While holding aloft the flags of various African nations, including Morocco. Cozy. Remix News reports a local business owner and eyewitnesses saying they destroyed everything, adding, quote, they broke shop windows, stormed the tourist train, and blocked passers-by on foot or by moped. The mob reportedly clashed with riot police by throwing stones at them. The mayor of the region, Orieta, um, let's see here, uh, Orieta Galu, uh, is, that, is that a T? Gayuli. 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 I've never read that one before. You know, um, the European stories continue to be the bane of my existence. I want to talk about this stuff. Um, I had, I was looking at all my badasses for tonight, and I saw one that I could have done tonight that seemed pretty cool. It was about a knight from France, but I can't do it tonight until I practice how to say his damn name and every other stupid city that pops up in the story of his life because I can't pronounce these cities and these names. I want everything to be monosyllabic, easy, Frank. Nobody is going to be confused as to how to say my name, Frank. Okay? One syllable. Anyway, the mayor of this region in Italy is quoted as saying, quote, I don't know if there were first or second generation my immigrants adding, they are just criminals who have left a deep wound in my community. We lived a day of war. Yes, indeed you did. The mayor said she felt abandoned by the regional administration after seeking intervention to stop the escalation of the event, saying the first year they were 200, last year they were 500, yesterday they were 2,000. That's because the, the migration, it's not immigration, continues. So don't call, it, uh, don't call it a replacement. You can just call it a reconquista, the reconquering things. And that's just a different R word. So don't call that... Replacement. It's just an old-fashioned reconquista. There, I have a um, I have a a little um, compilation here of the corporate media covering this story. Um, take a look at this. No, just kidding. That's not it. My bad. I, I screwed the whole thing up. We're just moving on. So um, that's what you. Now, what would you do? What would you do? Of course, we're having problems. Like that, we're a little bit more dispersed because Italy is. You know, the state of, you take Florida, you take Italy. 
that's just pretty much the kind of locality that you're dealing with there. That's one nation. But as far as we go, as far if you are a self-respecting nation that wants to survive, what do you do? I mean, you 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 got to get rid of them all. You have to get rid of these people. You have to. Everybody that should have been nobody anybody that showed up in those streets talking about waving foreign flags and talking about reconquering the land and taking it back, no one should have been, they should have called in the National Guard, whatever the hell it is over there, they should have called everybody in and everyone caught in the area should have been deported immediately. I mean, that that's like a Tet Offensive right there. I don't know how you can just let that go, let bygones be bygones, or just find some of them and give them a fine or 30 days in jail. I mean, they're telling you exactly what the end game is here. You got to get them out. A 2,000-man fighting force is pretty significant, especially if you're, you're looking to terrorize small towns in Italy. But we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. 720. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gents. It's a new week on Quite Frankly. Your broccoli? Your broccoli? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! I'm a little rusty tonight. I hit two pieces of media wrongly. I had to abandon a few things. Because if you don't get it right the first time, sometimes there is no second chance. Welcome to the show. I'm happy you're here. I also want to say that I've gotten so much great response from the Friday evening show about embarrassing moments and brain farts and all that. That was a hilarious show. I had a lot of fun doing it. I got a a wonderful response from people all over the place. I got home. Lauren said that she was was cracking up, side-splitting, laughter, getting that from all over. So if you have not listened, I know Friday nights... It's usually, uh, it's, it's one of those nights where everybody gets a, gets a, you know, an opportunity to go out and want, especially during the summertime in the spring. I do not blame anybody for leaving the computer or the phone behind a little bit and going out and finding a nice sunset or a gelato or 
something like that. But as you know, if you're just hanging out at home, you can always uh, use me as a nice back porch companion and just enjoy yourself and listen to the, the talk, the talk radio supreme. But I got a lot of great, th- so I want to remind everybody who wasn't around Friday night to go back and listen to and or watch that episode because it was very, very fun, lighthearted, and uh, like I said, a good break from all of the nonsense. And there's nothing really out there to talk about. There's a few things. I have them right here. I guess we can do this right now. Like the first one, you've probably seen this. Texas Republicans declare Biden not legitimately elected. I mean, it doesn't really do anything. It's an in-state um, motion, but it's it's good that it's good that there are official bodies, official governing bodies within the United States that are willing to state the truth. Although I'm, you know, I, I I'm I'm sure you saw that that some of the official clips from the January sixth committee. They have been taken down on, uh, on like, you know, CNN or other leftist channels, people who are just covering the January 6th committee because YouTube has a policy that, that strikes anything down that is dealing with alternative theories to how the 2020 election actually turned out or should have turned out, speculative stuff, conspiracy theories. It's all AI-driven, 100%, all AI-driven. But still, that's that's how that's how scary all this stuff is to them. They don't even want material staying up on YouTube that is material of official government proceedings analyzing other people's theories. It, it's so uh, sacrosanct, or verboten, I should say, verboten, verboten. It's just insane. Texas Republicans declare Biden not legitimately elected. You probably have heard this today. They adopted a plank to their platform declaring the 2020 election of Democrat Joe Biden as U.S. president to be illegitimate on Saturday during the party's first in-person convention since 2018. Well, you know what? I guess if, if it's the first time that they got together since 2018, all right. But this should have been done. There should have been major uh, motions and protests in this respect from several states after the Texas the Texas lawsuit was thrown out after the 2020 election still see people saying oh Texas has got to get you know stop taking it personally it has nothing to do with them oh it certainly does it certainly does we are to, we, we talk about this a lot with the Supreme Court with Chris Ann Hall when she comes on about what their jurisdiction is. One thing that they do have jurisdiction over is a violation of Article 2 as it pertains to an election across several states of the Union that resulted in a very, very weird inauguration of a man who is literally just a, a corpse, a husk. So... You're telling me that Texas or states like them don't have some kind of legitimate gripe when it comes to the 2020 election, when you have several key states that needed to be won in order for somebody to be crowned king, several key states that completely shirked their constitutional duties of allowing their state legislatures and only their state legislatures to change election law in their state, such as implementing mail-in voting. 
So that was uh, completely within the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, and they sat on their hands, thumbs up their asses. So yeah, they do have a gripe. This is just obviously coming out a little bit too soon, or too late. But it doesn't change anything anyway. It's just good to say it. And speaking of January 6th and the 2020 election and, and just the juxtaposition of one LARP over uh, everything else, here's a great little thread, an eight-tweet thread by the Rothbard 1776 account. Ready for this one? There's one thing I've learned from the January 6th committee. It's that the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, NSA, DNC, FISA court, Clinton campaign, mainstream media, etc. can conspire to steal an election, frame the president, claim he was a Russian agent, and impeach him twice. But if anyone else so much as questions the 2020 election results, when every swing state inexplicably stopped counting votes on election night while Trump was decisively ahead. Governors and secretaries of state illegally changed election laws in the days and weeks before the election. Fake stories of pipe breaks flooding voting, uh, flooding voting uh, facilities in Georgia. DNC members counting votes after they had sent Republican and uh, media members home. Evidence of ballot mules illegally dumping votes in election bins. Unsolicited mail-in ballots. Refusing to conduct full audits. Illegally updating software and voting machines before the day the election and Joe Biden waking up to a record-shattering 81 million votes while winning the fewest number of counties in U.S. history without being able to fill a parking lot on the campaign trail when the incumbent, Donald Trump, garnered 12 million more votes than he did in the previous election and won 18 out of 19 bellwether counties. When you're a traitor to America who should be locked in a cage without due process, declared a domestic terrorist, or prevented from ever running the political office for even suggesting that contested elections could be sent back to the states for which there is a constitutional process to review and resolve. Also, January 6th protests, bad. BLM riots all over the U.S. and outside the White House injuring hundreds of Capitol Police, Secret Service members, good that's my take at least it's a great take and i love when i know it's nothing new again but i love when people really put it into concise snappy presentations and um i know nobody not very many people in this audience are watching those committee hearings i certainly uh am not but what do you know adam kinzinger's wife received a death threat in the mail now now uh, regardless of where it came from, that is a, that's a horrible thing for anybody to receive, and I feel really, really bad. But the fact that uh, it's Adam Kinzinger, and the fact that he's not going to, he, he, his time in Congress is done one way or another. He's disgraced himself. He's an absolute disgrace. But, um, you know, where do you think it came from? Where do you think it came from? I'm not saying that Adam wrote it to himself, but seriously here. Nobody is watching this damn thing. So so it only makes sense that the J6 committee members start getting threatening letters, even though nobody is watching. Just like, just like uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer was kidnapped by people. Nobody wanted to do anything to do with her. In fact, she was just rebuffed uh, not too long before this alleged kidnapping plot was supposed to go off. She was just rebuffed by her own Supreme Court. And there is absolutely no momentum for Democrats anywhere in this country. 
especially Joe Biden. But, but a mostly FBI-led plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer gets kicked off. What do you know? What do you know? These things are just ridiculous. And this is why nobody's paying attention anymore. Nobody's paying attention. Oh, 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 oh. But I do want to talk about this. I want to talk about the movies a little bit. First one is funny. Now, I saw that this Disney Lightyear thing, the Buzz Lightyear origin film, it it bombs horribly. It bombs horribly. Uh, it, mostly it's going to be due to that um, the controversy over the, the forced lesbian kiss. It's got to be in everything. They have to put homosexuality in every ch- children's presentation these days. Then again, we heard... <clears throat> We heard some of the bigger producers over there at Disney stating their intent to just gay it up all over the place. Anyway, I don't care what kind of reason they give for or how bad it was received. They say maybe it's just, you know, going to the well too early, which obviously, and I've heard several people make this comment, and it's it's the only, it's the chief comment to be made. You want to talk about going to the well early then uh, or often, Somebody tell that to DC and Marvel who have three comic book movies coming out every year. It's like it's nonstop. But anyway, what we know it really comes down to is messaging. Messaging that people are hungry for and not just soul rape. Because that's what the left offers up and all of their diddling script writers. Top Gun Maverick is now, this is from AsiaOne.com. Maverick is now Tom Cruise's biggest box office hit ever, passing $1.11 billion. And let me just tell you, Scientology aside, I mean, that was, that was so awesome. It was, it was so awesome. And if anybody out there has seen it, and what do you, if you want to call in and give me your, your opinion on what struck you, I mean, it was just the most fun I could remember having in a theater in many years. It reminded me of childhood. When all the movies were like this, all of them, it was, and like I said before, the, the modern day Siskel and Ebert two thumbs up is Lauren staying awake. It was a two hour film and she stayed awake. So it, it grips you from beginning to end. It does start off as we we're talking with, um, with Jason Burmis does start off Maverick is close to 60 years old now. And he has been, um, he's been tasked with helping develop a some secret government aircraft. Um, you can see that there is an internal war or a, a situation that's developing within the Navy and all of their defense contractors that is, is coming down to the, the, the age of manned flight is going out the door. And they are, they're going to pilotless drone warfare and the fact that they are trying to 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 set records with these new manned manned uh, planes, these and it's amazing the, the opening where he goes Mach ten, or he, he attempts to go Mach ten. There's the the Skunk Works, you know you know it's Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. It's you, you know what's going on there. You see it. So I like how they 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 pay reference to you know who's really. What could be really up these people's sleeves and what's being developed without us knowing? You just don't know. But it opens up just so intense, real, real intense. 
and it doesn't stop. You have this wonderful thing where they honor the past so well. That's the thing that I get that I, I really loved about this. They honor the past very well without trying to rectify anything or trying to fix something or, or to make some kind of a, uh, a reference to how bad the past was. Everybody's still the same character. He, he's not some broken down, Maverick is not some broken down Luke Skywalker where you go and visit him and he's just some loser sucking on alien titties and he hates his life and everything's wrong and he's just a, a loser. He's, it, it's just so, it's so good. How they maintain everything. I think it was very sensitive, sensitively done how they got uh, Val Kilmer involved with the show. With, of course, the, his inability to really talk anymore. He lost his voice after the throat cancer. But I think it was very uh, a very sensitive and, and tasteful way that they incorporated him in there. Though it's too bad that he couldn't do more because, I mean, the whole Maverick Iceman thing, as homoerotic as their... <laughs> as their uh, their rivalry was, it was one of the best. And, and and let me just say that, that too. 1986 Top Gun, pure cheese, pure cheese, and dancing, dancing on that homoerotic line the entire time. It's still awesome, but it, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot that's just sit back and chuckle at. It's, it's, it's just pure American 1980s rah-rah, go get them, testosterone-fueled cheese. But it has maintained the spirit, the bite, but it got mature, and it lost a lot of that cheese. It just, it just became solid. And uh, that's just something I can only describe energetically. The whole, the whole thing is, um, is really, really great and mature. It, just a, it has a mature confidence about it. And the best thing about it is I think outside of that is that it creates suspense. There was authentic doubt. I had some authentic doubt placed in my head as to whether or not Mav was going to make it out of this. Um, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not spoil. I'm not trying not to spoil things. But obviously, if you're if you haven't seen it and you want to, then just you know skip over a little bit. But I'm I'm going to speak in generalities here. But I, I I was wondering, you know, because you got the the son of Goose, whose name is Rooster. Miles, I what is it? The um, the the um, my God, what, M- Miles Teller, Tiller Teller, I forget the guy who played, the guy who played in um, in Whiplash, the kid who played in Whiplash. He's awesome. Everybody's great. Jennifer Connelly's great. A warm character. All the female leads were just were fine. You know, it wasn't an all white cast, all white male cast. That's not why it was good. It was completely in modern, you know, or in all objective ways, very diverse. But it was devoid of the bullshit, and it felt great. It felt great. You know, wasn't feminized, wasn't anti-American. Um, I even like how. I mean, then again, in. In uh, in the original Top Gun, they had there really was a. I guess you have to imagine that it's the Russians. You're going up against the Soviets in 1985, 1986. You're going up against those MIGs. Um, but this one, you know, it's really understated who the enemy is. I guess it's Russian. I thought they had mentioned something Iranian, but then all of a sudden there's snow covered, snow covered mountains and green valleys, and I don't know how much of that is in Iran, but. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, 
but it's a suicide mission. And I think that the way that they built up what they're training for, this suicide mission, is is another real way of, of adding uh, adding to the suspense. You really just don't know. You see the, 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 the deck is stacked against them and how they're going to do it and how are you going to tame all these egos once again and you have this this old steward of Top Gun Flight School coming back and he's still as badass as, as ever. Pete Mitchell, man. Uh, it was so good. I'm definitely going to watch it again if I have an opportunity. Um, oh, the, he, okay. Here, One last thing. As far as tipping uh, a little bit of a uh, a hat tip to the past, they actually find a way to get him in in a in a. It's just it's just so awesome. They find a way to get him into an F-14 again, an old junkyard F-14 Tomcat. These are the types of planes that we grew up obsessing over. Every video game, Afterburner, every video game had these planes in there. And the fact that they're just old and clunky and, you know, it's almost, it's, they're obsolete. The fact that they're even at that point now is a little sad in itself. But the fact that they got dusted off, like the Millennium Falcon. And you got Han Solo in there again with Chewie, or the new Chewie. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, uh, man, just, it's so fun. It's so fun. You should go. You know who would really like it? Rob. But unfortunately, Rob doesn't see uh, movies anymore after after The Last Jedi came out. But he would love this. And I know he's a fan of Jennifer Connelly, too. He would love this film. It hits all the right notes. It's, it's awesome. Go see it if you have an opportunity. All right. 741. 741. I'm going to take some calls in the first half. Some weirdness coming out of the Vatican. We can do that in a little bit here, too. But I'm going to open up the phone lines and see how the hell you guys are doing, how your weekend was, and what's going on with you. What's happening? What is happening? Um, wait, wait, well, why is the Pope... Is, wait, something's trending right now, and I have to see what the hell it is now. Give me a second. Pope. Pope sparks resignation rumors after postponing... Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. There's more resignation rumors for Pope Francis now. And the timing is weird, not only because we're, we're reading Windswept House as a book club, and we are, we are actually watching the foundation for this papal resignation protocol being put together. I, I'm telling you. Uh, when it comes to Malachi Martin and Windswept House, if I were to have read this, if I were old enough to have read this and have been, you know, really in, in, invested in what the story was being told and had any kind of um, interest in, in geopolitical affairs, affairs of faith and all that stuff, if I was around in the, in the mid-90s when this book came out and I read it, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, it's fiction and the the... Obviously, the author is building up a high stakes, a high stakes geopolitical new world order narrative, and but you know it's it's obviously fiction. Reading this in 2022, this is a map key. It's a map key. If you haven't been reading along this book with us, it's never too late to start. You can do it. All of the episodes, the video episodes. I'm going to release the 
the series, the book club series, in one big thing on to the YouTube and elsewhere after we're finished in two weeks. But all the official threat, it's just the analog, it's just been great. And it's been freaky because now we see it again over here. And remember, the last guy who resigned is still alive. He just turned 95. And a couple of days ago, there was a really, I think it was actually yesterday. I think it was yesterday. You have this Archbishop George Gonswain gave this address at a matinee of the Joseph Ratzinger Pope Benedict XVI Foundation for to mark his 95th birthday. And he had to stop three times to sob, to weep. It's only two minutes long, but he's, he took three separate breaks to weep. And if you want anybody, you want to read, uh, see somebody who really breaks that down and puts some really good theories to the test, watch Timothy Gordon's coverage of it today. He sent me this link last night. And I, I woke up this morning. I sent him the Megyn Kelly link of her at Rome today, which she said this this morning. Hey, guys. Live here at the Vatican. We just happened to be here today on a family vacation when we just read that news broke uh, about this pope, Pope Francis, possibly getting ready to resign, unconfirmed. But I'll tell you, inside the Vatican moments ago, we saw a ton of cardinals, which our guide tells us is highly unusual. Uh, they're not used to seeing that. That's not normal. And moments earlier, when we were in the Sistine Chapel, uh, a priest or a bishop unclear came in and gave us a blessing. Also highly unusual. What was he doing there? Why was he doing that? What did he know? Uh, but there's a lot of buzz going on right here. So news as we get it. Yes, the buzz in Rome. What's happening there? Very important stuff. The time we live in. Thomas, what's going on, Thomas? Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Give me your thoughts. I'm glad to glad to hear it. I just wanted to tell you that uh, I saw your little post a couple of days ago telling everyone to go listen to Set the Charge. So went through it, dug through it. Y'all did a badass cult personality great living color cover oh man oh I, you know what you made me forget that we did that we that we made all that stuff that's uh that's available now on set the charge i forgot about that so i'm glad you liked it. that's a real old oh, it, it it kicked ass and i knew that your singer was anthony didn't click with me that it was anthony vincent from <laughs> youtube fame so yeah <laughs> i got quite a giggle out of that it was fun flipping through the comments, and it was a good mixture of, like, well, quite frankly, it's impressive that this guy has such a vocal range. Yeah. So well, just wanted to give you a call, tell you you guys rock, keep kicking ass, and uh, I'm still waiting to see those nipples, man. Oh, I know. I know. Well, listen, we'll see what happens, Thomas. Yeah, wait, this is Tom. You are in Texas? Where, where are you from again? Texas up north. Yeah, I have you. I have you. Um, I have you stored here as Thomas the Nip guy. Yep, yep, yep. That's me. Okay. Well, enjoy, enjoy the rest of the night, Thomas. Absolutely, brother. Be good. All right. Take care. Yeah. Well, let me see. I got this over here. Here's here's the dead giveaway cover. You remember with the, with the Charles Ramsey? I knew something was wrong when a pretty little white girl ran to a black man's arms. Dead giveaway. This was from. 2013 so this is just a little bit uh maybe a, a year exa almost exactly a year before anthony had his uh the dark horse song go viral on his and his on his channel and things really changed this is the old studio Ooh, dead giveaway, dead giveaway. 
McDonald's. I can't believe this is. Hey, we were having a lot of fun trying to get, uh, trying to do some fun things and get noticed, and we ended up creating a lot of cool things. Well, anyway, anyway, that's a gift from the internet. Thanks for calling in, Tom. Nine one four five nine five six nine five three. It's seven forty eight. What is happening in the world? You say. What is bringing you to the brink? What's bringing to the... Are you going nuts? Tell us about your your uh, your dive into insanity. Let's bring in Shake and Bake. How you doing, Shake? <clears throat> oh, hello, Francis. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. Give me something to kick off a Monday right. Um, <clears throat> well, I just woke up. I was going to give some comments about the comparison between Mother's Day and Father's Day. Could you remind me... Uh, what drink you wanted for your birthday? Was it an Irish coffee or something like that? Uh, yeah, I wanted an Irish coffee, and I got one. It was great. Um, so what? basically what I wanted to say, and, and forgive me, I'm a little still waking up here. Um, when, when Mother's Day was happening in May, the amount of bombardment, and this is not, of course, everyone's experience, but the amount of bombardment that I got especially from my coworker was <clears throat> make sure you call your mother for mother's day just over and over like if i don't do this it's like some kind of a sin and it's so very interesting that not a peep except from me to my coworkers and people around me to hey be sure to call your dad you know unless you're one of those people out there that has a deadbeat dad or my dad left me well this is this isn't for you then um you know we as men are very simple people um you know just like i asked you for your birthday the only thing that you wanted was your irish coffee and a and cigar you wanted irish coffee yeah, and, a, yeah. and a cigar yep uh, irish coffee and cigar and that and that was incredibly simple that's all you wanted and you were happy with it, right? We're very, we're, we're very simple people, right? And yet, and yet, the um, the amount of attention drawn to Mother's Day compared to Father's Day, and this attack on masculinity that I've definitely been noticing over the past couple of years, I just wanted to draw attention to, um, and and remind everybody that the father 
in your life, he is the alpha and the mother is the omega. Everything, your life starts with your father. That, that, that's the beginning. So if you, didn't, if you didn't or forgot to wish your father a happy Father's Day yesterday, I would do so because you don't get into this world without him going to your mother first and doing the business with them. Yes, yes. So thank you. Well, well, yeah. You you definitely hit a a good point there, Shake and Bake. And I yep. appreciate. I'm sure many of the fathers out there would appreciate you going to bat for them. Thank you for the call. I have to say, uh, why why is there so? I mean, they're both they're both Hallmark holidays. They're both bullshit. I mean, they really are. They're bullshit. Uh. It should be this the same that same kind of reverence. It should be just random days during the week, Sundays. Get people together, uh, just make events out of nothing. We know what this is all about. But then when you create that dichotomy, and you create that situation, you know that once it becomes an institution, it's going to be inhabited by people who just work whatever. And so of course, Father's Day is going to be a little bit less of a. Uh, you know, Father's Day is, is when Home Depot tells you, go out and buy a power drill. That's it. Mother's Day is, it's just all advertising and marketing. So who the hell cares? Who cares? Um, I, I just knew that, I just knew that, that, that Sunday I would wake up and Lauren would throw the baby on top of me and she gave me a little piece of, she watercolored something and, uh, and then we just went out made a couple of stops had my family come over last night uh, so I went to see my I went to one in-law's house then we came home I did a little stuff around the the yard I did some I did I worked out then we went to go see my father-in-law listen to the Yankee game on the back port on the back patio and just ate a little bit then I came home my father came by and we all uh, we watched we watched a Hallmark film. We got that we got that done, which was great. All right, so here was the Hallmark film last night. We went and we made fun of this thing. It was prime. It was the best kind of Hallmark film you can watch to make fun of it. It was called Tulips in the Spring. All right, so the uh, the whole premise is you have, of course, you have a, a very big corporate. Uh, interior designer girl living in Los Angeles who gets called back to rural Washington state to a tulip farm that her family owns and her father broke his leg and they have a big competition that's coming up they needed to they needed to have some extra hands people who knew their shit about tulips and uh, so she comes back and she's trying to balance out her, you know, of course, her aspirations in corporate life in Los Angeles and this, uh, this place in, in Washington with the tulips. And she's trying to figure everything out. And, of course, the father is resentful that she left the family. So we're, we're harping on that. We're just, you know, we're, we're, we're just making fun of that shit. And then I remember I told you guys the last time we got together and watched the Hallmark film, it was awful where they broke protocol and they went dark. They went into terminal illness. You don't do that on Hallmark films. People watch Hallmark films where there, there are no terminal illnesses. Everybody's fine, and we know how it's going to end. It's that stability is why people watch Hallmark films, and that's what makes them so vulnerable and ripe for making fun of. Um, 
So we watched that movie, The Beach House, and the mother had like a, a tumor or something like that. It was everything was gloomy. We we're like, oh shit! But we were back to form. So there was a scene last night where the girl from Los Angeles' mother, the the, the matriarch of the Tulip family is going upstairs to attend to the father with a broken leg, and she has, the, 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 the daughter catches her with some pill bottles in her hands. And we're like, oh no, oh no. What are the, what's the medication for? What secret is she keeping from this girl? Is he dying too? We can't do this two weeks in a row. Turns out, he had high blood pressure. And that was just every, she her face dry. Oh my god, dad has high blood pressure. It we were back to form. High blood pressure. That's the that's the worst it gets. If that's the worst it gets, it's fine. Then of course we started making blood pressure jokes for the rest of the film, and uh, the night just was great. Everything was fine after that. So that's where we are. All right, seven fifty six. We're gonna take some more calls and get to your super chats after the break. Nice little Monday. We've got a lot of fun stuff, great topics all this week, so I'm glad that you're hanging out with me right now. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I just got some word, ladies and gentlemen, that tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv is Mystery Movie Monday. Now, the last time we did Mystery Movie Monday, I think it was because Chris Ann Hall came on last week. I think it was Chris Ann Hall last Monday. Was it? No, that was Wednesday. 
anyway, we played My Cousin Vinny since she referenced it that night, and that was a, that was a, that was a lot of fun. We have two great films. I actually learned which ones they are tonight. So make sure you go to quitefrankly.tv afterwards. I don't know if I should tell you. We should just be surprised. But they were, uh, they're great. Great childhood favorites of mine. And definitely great summer films for children too. So and that means it'll be good for you too. It'll bring you back to a time. Feeling nostalgic tonight. Really am. I've been feeling nostalgic all weekend ever since we got to go see that 840 showing of Top Gun on Saturday night. Went to the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers. It was too late of a, a, a showtime to wait for dinner because they, they served dinner there too. So we just got, just got some dessert instead. This um, Jameson coffee shake. It wasn't necessarily an Irish coffee, but it was a milkshake with Jameson and some coffee turbo shake, whatever. It was nice. Tasted good. If you go to Alamo, I don't know if they have uniform menus, but Alamo Draft Houses, I only watch movies there. Because they bring in the oldies, too. Like, uh, I think over the next couple of days, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is going to be playing there. Have all these like cult, cult films and great i love that kind of um that kind of environment all right stostube says great monday frank hope you had a wonderful father's day uh weekend just dropping a little support for the show and saying hi be well brother same to you same to you man same to you yeah it was a pretty exciting weekend especially when i got the confirmation about my my upcoming appearance on TimCast IRL next Tuesday because I had known that was that was like in the works for pretty much the majority of last week but I couldn't tell anybody and now we get to talk about that Selling the Farm says Monday already it's a wonderful place to be here among the Franklies thanks Frank it's great to have you out there and of course it did terrible marketing for the tonight show I didn't tweet it out nothing I really need help with that anyway Let's get some love from the foxhole. Ohio Patriot says, cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers to C. Blanche. Sean Joe. Anita BJ says, you never leave me wanting, Frank. Really? Well, like tonight? Has it been good so far tonight? Because I know some people don't like movie talk, but just going to have to get used to it. We're, that's what the, the show is about. We have to do all that stuff. Filter Dog number one says Val Kilmer is dealing with that uh, throat thing in real life. Well, he had throat cancer. He had that going on. No, he whatever he did, they allowed him. They gave him a couple of lines. Most of what his character was doing was typing. So like he would he would type and like they they meet Mav and and Iceman meet once, and it's a great meeting. It's good to see them playing those characters and embracing each other as uh, again but um but i know val kilmer had the throat cancer and from what i read he's been uh, cancer free the last six years but they did remove his larynx and whatever they did give him as far as a spoken line in this movie was at least in part artificially intelligent um vocals 
like I said, very tasteful, very sensitive to his his current situation. Obviously, wish that we can get more out of Iceman, but it's just probably the best he can do. And it was just great seeing him. Tom Ford says, Frank, the new Jets... Let's see here. Frank, the new Jets and Maverick are what they're working on right now for public disclosure. Example, uh, B, the B-21. Yeah, I, you, that's the other thing there, too, where they're talking about how the... They're talking about fifth-generation fighters and that these F-18s, you bring them into battle against these fifth-generation fighters, they're just... You're not coming back. And that's why when we, when we got to see the F-14 Tom, Tomcat, just... Oh, I said, oh, it was just great. Robert Sarns, thank you. Thank you. Doug Simmy, thank you. Jay Brewskies, hope you had yourself a wonderful Father's Day, Frank. Thanks for being you. Well, thanks for keep showing up and hanging out in our little lounge over here. Boyce Blanc, 89. Thank you for the ship, my friend. That's a big one. EO, EO, cookie for the most adorable broccoli I've ever seen, isn't she? Joseph777, Tim is a musician and singer. You guys should jam. Well, I know he put some stuff out. I don't know if he has a drum set over there at his at his uh, his place. That would be awesome. I would jam. I wouldn't turn that down. Stostube, Frank, did you get your Yes Cacao? Uh, I... I haven't been to the P.O. box since maybe Friday, so if that's where you sent it, no, I have not. Hopefully, it's not melted. But thanks again, Stostube. I knew you would do something like that. And then he sends a ship to add to my fleet over here. Wonderful. All right, let's take some calls. What's going on with you, ladies and gentlemen? What's going on with you? I have something uh, something else that I really love reading about, and that is Hidden Treasure. Hidden treasure, a wreckage from the legendary 17th century Spanish galleon that inspired the Goonies, is found. It's been found, ladies and gentlemen. One-Eyed Willie's galleon off the coast of Oregon after the ship veered off course and vanished en route to Mexico over 300 years ago. Timbers from the hull of a 17th century Spanish galleon have been recovered by archaeologists in Oregon. The legendary shipwreck off the Santa Cristo de Burgos inspired the 1985 Steven Spielberg classic, The Goonies. That's a, that's a film that we haven't put on the uh, on the network at night. How many different versions of The Goonies have you seen on television? This has been a topic of debate on on uh, on the internet for quite some time where it is almost bordered on Mandela effect because there's so many different made-for-TV versions of the Goonies that people remember with, with scenes like with the dancing octopus. That's either taken out or put in uh, the convenience store scene where Chunk gets caught in the... Uh, when he gets caught in the, um, the, the ice cream freezer and all that stuff. There's so many different things. And did you know that cut from the movie, The Goonies, was an entire subplot that that was nixed that for some reason Steven Spielberg wanted it in and um, the director because I don't think Steven Spielberg directed it I think he produced it someone told him that they're they're cutting it there's an entire subplot of these gorillas that had broken and escaped the zoo 
and they were driving all around town. These gorillas driving in a in a in a convertible or something, causing havoc all around town. It was just a random subplot that eventually got cut from the entire thing. That never made it to any versions of the movie. I just know that there is one very small clip of uh, very small clip of 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 one of the deleted scenes. Even though it was all deleted. Anyway, back to this. A fisherman reported the timbers in 2020 after spotting them in a sea cave and lab analysis was undertaken. Radiocarbon dating suggested that they may have been part of the legendary ship, prompting a recovery mission. This week, archaeologists, local law enforcers, and search and rescue specialists brought them to safety. The race is on for One-Eyed Willie's treasure, they say. After a year of delays with the help of local law enforcers, they were able to recover it. So what does it look like? Is it just really just timbers? What is that, a doubloon? Block of beeswax from Santo Cristo de Burgos features a distinctive owner's mark. That's beeswax? Huh. So it was a trade route between Manila in the Philippines and Acapulco and they went all the way up to Oregon and then back over to Manila make wow we I forget that's all Spanish territory out there incredible so we'll see what comes of this we'll see what comes of this they, they go on and we'll just take we'll do this until we get a couple of calls coming in Jim Delgado, an archaeologist investigator and the senior vice president of cultural resource management from Search Incorporated, told National Geographic these timbers are physical evidence for the stories that have been known and passed down through the generations. A written account from 1813 tells of a Spanish Manila galleon that was wrecked in the late 1600s near Neocani Mountain. Anybody out there near Oregon knows how to pronounce that, let me know. Indigenous tribes also passed down the legend of a ship that had vanished off the Oregon coast around 1693 carrying porcelain, beeswax, and Chinese silk. Well, the silk won't be there anymore, but the porcelain and the beeswax were found. These were backed up by mysterious chunks of beeswax that would continue to appear along the shoreline in Nihalem Bay throughout the 19th century. Legends of lost treasure were widely reported in Oregon newspaper during the late 20th century and allegedly caught the attention of director Steven Spielberg. This sparked the idea for the Goonies. I did not know this. Where a troop of kids discovered a treasure map that leads them to the long-lost fortune of One-Eyed Willie, a 17th century pirate who hid his bounty on his ship. Further evidence of the wreckage has never been located until 2013 fisherman Craig Andes came across some mysterious timber remnants in sea caves near Manzanita. Wow. Wow, well. You know how much how much treasure? That's just the whole thing, man. That man, that is just the uh I I wish I can we can quantify how much treasure. And when I'm talking about treasure, I'm not even talking about gems and precious metals. I'm talking about history. That is a treasure in itself. How much history is on the ocean floor and now under the sediment? It's not even a matter if you drain the oceans, it'd be just sitting there. After hundreds, if not thousands of years, it'd be under the sediment now. Oh, man, that would just be... 
That'd be something else. The underwater mountain ranges, everything. 914-595-6953. What have you to say? What have you to say about everything that we are going through right now? And what we have coming up? Because I'll tell you, what's happening in the Vatican is uh, is pretty important. Pretty important as far as geopolitical shakeups go and realignment and watching New World Order, deep state slash deep church activity. I cannot wait to see this. So let's do it. Here's the headline, and you guys can call in at any time. Speculation mounts that Pope Francis is about to resign as Francis postpones Africa trip, announces unusual meeting of cardinals. Pope has postponed a trip to Congo and South Sudan. We talked about that due to knee pain. He's been in a wheelchair for what seems to be over a month now. Also announced a consistory to name new cardinals during August holiday. Hobbled by pain in his knee and forced to use a wheelchair in recent weeks, the 85-year-old pontiff postponed a July trip to the Democratic Republic of the Congo and South Sudan last week. He also announced unusual decision to hold a consistory to name new cardinals during a Vatican vacation month and arranged meetings to ensure his reforms stay intact. Oh, that's what he's been doing. He's been reforming things. Gotcha. We'll take some more. We'll take a little bit of this after a call. Hey, what's going on, Australia Ben? Australia Ben, are you there? Waiting? Okay. Let's go and take Chris from the UK into the show. What's going on, Chris? Chris? (laughs) Three, two, one, Chris. All right. Bye. People just messing with me now, I guess. Back to this. Back to this. The extraordinary consistory will be held on August 27th, a slow summer month, at the Catholic headquarters to create 21 new cardinals, 16 of whom will be under the age of 80, thereby eligible to elect his successor in a future conclave. Since becoming Pope in 2013, the Argentine pontiff has created 83 cardinals in a move to shape the future of the Catholic Church. Ugh. Oh, that just is not good. In part to counter Europe's historically dominant influence and reflect his values. On August 28th, Francis will pay a visit to uh, the tomb of Celestine V, the first pope to have resigned from the papacy in the 13th century. And now they're just going to make it commonplace. That's that. One more time, Australia, Ben. How you doing? Okay. Doc Keck, on with me right now. What's on your mind, my friend? Uh, you don't live in the life, live in the dream, Frank. You know, um, yes. got a couple of things. Um, you're going through this uh, Vatican article, and um, the thing that kind of came to mind was the abomination of desolation for some reason. You know, like a Jesuit was never meant to take the papacy. They are, they're basically a Masonic sect. Mm-hmm. You know, and if uh, you know, uh, if Peter is a rock and the church is built on Peter, and then all of a sudden you have a, a Mason sitting on the throne, that's 
bro, that's got to have some serious spiritual consequences, man. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. It's incredible, the consequences. Um, Absolutely. It's just, it, it's, and it's been ongoing, and I'm glad that we've been doing what we've been doing with the, the book club because it's just making things run parallel in such a compelling way. Scary as hell, but uh, here we are in the middle of it all. Yeah, it gives context. I mean, there was also uh, uh, one of their prophecies that were saying, um, like, all of the coat of arms uh, matched up until uh, Francis, and now it's kind of like, well, afterwards, it, I guess it would be, well, it would actually probably either be the Antichrist or, you know, God's return, but, um, you know, it's probably going to be the first one. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. I don't think, <laughs> uh, I don't think that there was really anything left to, I think the only thing left is just complete, uh, complete uh, cave-in, and it's probably just the, the intended life cycle of it all. Uh, this is just, it's reflecting what's going on all over the world. The one thing that I don't get, and the one thing that I mentioned this morning when I was recording Dark to Light with Tracy, is, is going back over, over the weekend to something else I saw there, because, you know, the one thing I can say is very promising about this June is that Pride Month has fallen on its fucking face. It's fallen right on its face, and I'm glad. I'm glad all these stupid milit militant political um, holidays and months are falling right in their face. They're finally being resisted. People are uh, people are rejecting other uh, ideologue um, horror show organizations from uh, representing their interests or entire demographics' interests, and we're seeing exactly what's being done. Uh, to little kids too, and how it's just damaging to future generations. And there was a um, there was this one person who tweeted, I think on on Friday or something like that. They said, statistically, your child is far safer with a drag queen rather than a priest. One hundred percent facts. And you you know you see a lot of this reasoning, Doc, um, from people who are too ignorant to trace the degeneracy that we are both seeing in the church and at society at large to the same satanic sources. They're too ignorant to see that the source for all the degeneracy is coming for, it's all the same thing. They're not mutually exclusive from each other. And they're also too biased to see that the abuse in public schools and in, and in public institutions is currently actually giving the Vatican a run for its money. So it's, it really is a cratering of all things. And as we said before, the the Catholic Church is just the, the the biggest denomination. That's why it gets all a lot so much attention. But it's happening all over the place. Yep. The phrase that comes to mind is that there is no reason in a world of narcissists. Yeah. It's all subjective, and you need to have an objective context to even think about reason. Otherwise, you're just caught up in yourself, which is also a consequence of Masonic practices. Indeed, I agree. Yes, I, I agree with you there, and mm -hmm. that's why we're just riding the wave and and trying to focus a little bit more on human interest and and keeping our wits about us because this is just across the board, it's like a domino. Yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, you kidding me? You know, there there's a lot more to life than what's on the television, and eventually, you know, if if it is going to change, we cannot ourselves become addicted with the expectation of anything or what we get from it you know we have to in a sense allow us to change and in doing that um i guess the expectations will then flow out to what we then um, allow within ourselves and 
hopefully emanate out to society as well and as large. And you mentioned earlier about the, you know, the whole Pride Month falling on its face. Bravo, bravo, man. You know, finally, you know, at least some objectivity uh, coming back uh, to society. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, I, I, I'm glad you said that there too because I do feel that I do feel that sense of I'm having a good time. I, I know how how dangerous this is going to get, and I know how challenging this is going to get, and already has been in some way. I, I don't know how how hard the acceleration is going to get, but if it, it's going to happen, it's happening right now. Uh, I, in fact, the people who are are most responsible for this are just I think the the biggest challenge they have is finding a way to really ease us into the reality of how bad things are going to get. But at the same time, at the same time, if you prepare and if you educate yourself, I think that um, I think that we can have at least a little bit of fun being right. Absolutely. Just a little bit. Just a smidge. Yeah, just a smidge. Well, thanks for the call, Doc. Yes, sir. Many blessings. All right. Be well. Take care. Hey, at least at least we're not Ben Stiller. At least we're not Ben Stiller, who says the following: Ben Stiller walks through the rubble of bombed Ukrainian neighborhood. Says Zelensky is my hero. So he went full retard. That's just um, <laughs> that's just where we're at. I don't know. I guess he ain't coming back. He was maybe he was never here. But all right, another little break. Let's take a break real quick, ladies and gents. When we come back, we're taking your calls, and we're going to be doing our badass of the day. Might end a little bit early tonight, so thank you so much for the company. Don't go anywhere. It is time for this incredible woman to step into the role that she is meant to have. And we, we, all of us, are going to help her get there. Okay. Here she is. <laughs> hey, guys. <coughs> I She didn't deny she said this awful thing. Instead, she blamed Honest Abe Inkin. Honest Abe. So Hillary Clinton, for lying, blamed Abe Lincoln, commonly known as Honest Abe Inkin. Honest Abe. I love Mexican people. I wouldn't go to France. I wouldn't go to France. Because France is no longer France. France is no longer France. Do you want to go back to to them or do you want to stay with Donald Trump? Trump. This is the moment we choose hope. Choose hope. Choose hope. Choose hope. Choose hope. 
hope. Frankly, listen live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or <laughs> you dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. <laughs> I know King is going to be very happy that I got a new bumper of his on the air. He's been sending me stuff. I didn't know that he's been sending me things uh, for on-air use. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Get, you know, send me some bumpers again. There you go. You got a little bit of a, uh, a Boogie Nights dance from the King himself inside of a grocery store somewhere in an aisle. He just set it up and he just went for it. So... I'm glad we got a little bit of culture back in this show. Okay, so we're going to be ending a little bit early tonight. I'm going to take a couple more, couple more calls. If it's, I, I think that we are, we must be backlogged over here on on Skype because this often happens. Um, we have both movies tonight on Quite Frankly TV. It'll be all starting. The programming, the late night programming, will be starting shortly after I get off of here. But both movies came out in 1993. That's the the clue. That's the clue. I don't know how far it's going to get you, but uh, it'll all make sense sooner or later. So I'm going to leave the screen up. We'll go to the Super Chats real quick, and we'll see who else wants to get on before we get off. We're going to do our badass in just a little bit. And tomorrow, we jump right into the deep end with Jay Dyer, and we keep on trucking. All right. Okay, let's see here. Over here on Pilled, C. Blanche, thank you. Donkey Punk says, speak a little bit more on... Speak a little bit more on Tim Cast, and consider mentioning the case of Utah with the Zells to him, maybe. Well, I mean, I, um... I'm down to talk about anything. I don't, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to be myself. And that's something that I'll have in the back of my head that um, the the Zell situation, I, I saw that Jason Burmis is covering what's going on in Utah. I at least saw some of the, the titles that he put out about what's really going on with the Utah investigation. And I reached out to him and I urged him to read all of the updates coming from the Zells and to, uh, let me know if he wanted to talk to them directly just because they've got real sources it's not just open source um open source investigation on on that end that's just there's an old school hit the ground running 
pound the pavement kind of an investigation going on right now. <clears throat> and we are, we kind of got an inside scoop and it's serious. It's very serious. I mean, I read, I know that I, I read a, a little bit of some of these reports and it's, it, it's the, the stuff the nightmares are, are made of. Just a little bit. I was sent like two screenshots and um, just horrible. <clears throat> so it's serious. But let's see here. Moda Lisa says Astoria, Queens, Metal Park, very cool art, and they play old black and white films with Manhattan. Manhattan BA? What's BA? Metal Park, very cool art, and they play old black and white films. So I got to check that out then. Maybe. Although I don't know, I don't know my willingness to go to Astoria for a movie these days, but that sounds interesting. I like hearing when people do. The, the, I think the best thing about uh, Alamo Draft House is that they are they will remove people in your in the the theater who make too much noise or text or anything, and all you have to do is write a uh, a discreet note to your server who comes by to check to see if you need anything else, and people are gone. So they have very very. I, I love it. It's great stuff. That's the reason why I go to Alamos because I, I want to make sure nobody's talking ever, and that the, the the back is the back of the theater is not filled up with a bunch of miscreants, high school kids. Tom Ford says sixth generation, sixth generation fighters. Talking about the okay. Talking about the uh, Top Gun again. All right. 914-595-6953. I see missed call. See, I, I knew it was this. This was happening again. I see missed calls coming in. But I don't see it ringing. And that is just the story of Skype. I'm going to try one more time with Australia, Ben. Australia, are you there? Nope. No, they're not. No, they are not. All right. 8.29, it's time to do our badass of the night. And then tomorrow is another day. So don't go anywhere. Here it is. That's some badass shit. Yes. Pretty badass. Now, who is this badass tonight? This came from somebody out in the uh, the audience. Like, who is he? Who is this Jon Snow? It's not Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. It's some old guy from the 19th century. So who is he? Tonight's badass, Jon Snow, who's widely considered to be the father of modern epidemiology, he would be turning over in his grave if that was possible to do after you're dead. Snow was born into a laborer's family in 1813 in York. That's the old York. Now I'm in the new old York. And at 14, he was apprenticed to a surgeon. In 1836, he moved to London to start his, for, uh, his formal medical education, became a member of the Royal College of Surgeons in 1838, graduated from the University of London in 1844, and was admitted to the Royal College of Physicians in 1850. At the time, it was assumed that cholera was airborne. However, Snow did not accept this miasma, bad air, theory, arguing that, in fact, it entered the body through the mouth. He publishes ideas in an essay on the mode of communication of cholera in 1849. I think cholera... Is cholera come back in California in some of the homeless cities? 
or that dysent is that dysentery or I forget. It's like uh, the Oregon Trail out there again. A few years later, Snow was able to prove his theory under the dramatic circumstances. In August 1854, a cholera outbreak occurred in Soho. After careful investigation, including plotting cases of cholera on a map of the area, Snow was able to identify a water pump in Broad, now Broadwick, Broad Street, as a source of the disease. He had handle on the pump. He had the handle of the pump removed, and cases of cholera immediately began to diminish. However, Snow's germ theory of disease was not widely accepted until the 1860s. Now, as far as germ theory versus terrain theory, we've done that show before in the past and should probably revisit it again. But uh, who knows how how he would have observed contemporary events going on. Snow was also a pioneer of the field of anesthetics by testing the effect of controlled doses of ether and chloroform on animals and on humans. He was actually the one that gassed King Kong. He made those drugs safer and more effective. In April 1853, he was responsible for giving chloroform to Queen Victoria at the birth of her son, Leopold, and performed the same task in 1857 when her daughter, Beatrice, was born. Snow died of a stroke in 1858, but continues to be an... (laughs) I could have sworn it was going to say Snow died of a stroke in 1858, but continues to work to this day. Continues to be an inspiration in medical communities around the world. In 2003 survey by Hospital Doctor magazine, John Snow was voted the greatest doctor of all time, uh, with Hippocrates coming in second. While the poll was likely biased over the overrepresentation of Jon Snow supporters, most of them probably just thought it was uh, Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington. the findings do point to increased prominence of Dr. Snow among contemporary physicians. So there you go, Dr. Snow. I appreciate you all so much for being here tonight. Ending about 28 minutes early, but it's okay because we're kicking things off on QuiteFrankly.tv, and tomorrow is another go-around. So you guys and gals, be good to yourselves, and I will catch you. I will catch you. Hold on. We have one more super chat just came in, so I want to get to that in a second here. But here we go. From Brady Bunch. Oh, the Brady Bunch is out there now. Grats on the Timcast invite, Frank. I'm glad you will get some more mainstream exposure. Just don't sweat it. What will be, will be. I'm not sweating. I'm not sweating. It is the biggest opportunity I've had um, as far as exposure goes. So it, that's that's for certain. The traveling is is interesting. This will be a good time. But I'm not going to sweat it. Just let it come. I'll probably be fighting for my lunch, though, if I'm at a, a round table with a bunch of people who know each other. Like everybody, most of the people who's on Tim's show, they all know each other by, on a first name basis. So maybe Luke Rudowski will be there that day that I'm in. That'd be interesting. I'd like to meet. The, I would like to meet that guy. I've tried to get him on this show a few times. Maybe, I, maybe I can put a, a a business card directly in his hand. Who knows? 2022. It's been bittersweet. It really has been. But the work continues working our asses off over here. And I'm, I'm really having a good time doing it. But off air, you know, I, I know a lot of people, you guys are, 
are putting up with a lot. It's been a bittersweet year so far, but I'm I'm always grateful for the opportunity to work every day and to provide for my family and to hang out with you guys and gals, especially since you all share me with your friends and family. It really just feels wonderful. It's kismet. So I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Go to quitefrankly.tv for the after show experience, which is going to be a blast from 1993. No Top Gun tonight, but we'll play that one night. I'll make sure we play Top Gun so we can all bask in the uh, in the cheese together. All right. Good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, Brady Bunch, Stostube, and Lease Breaker. And now over to our Rumble. We have Selling the Farm. Thank you again. And so many of our wonderful people on Foxhole, Sea Blanche, Docky Punch, Tom Ford, and the rest. Robert Sarns, Ohio Patriot, Strong Joe, Anita BJ. Well, I'm releasing the scratching right now. And I'll see you just in a little bit. I'll be in that, that chat with you.